and she wants grown-up books, great big fat ones, French and German as well as English, history and biography, poets, and all sorts of things. Drag her away from her books when she reads too much. Make her ride her pony in the row, or go out and buy a new doll. She ought to play more with dolls. Papa, said Sarah, you see, if I went out and bought a new doll every few days, I should have more than I could be fond of. Dolls ought to be intimate friends. Emily is going to be my intimate friend. Captain Crewe looked at Miss Minchin, and Miss Minchin looked at Captain Crewe. Who is Emily? she inquired. Tell her, Sarah, Captain Crewe said, smiling. Sarah's green-gray eyes looked very solemn and quite soft as she answered. She is a doll I haven't got yet, she said. She is a doll Papa is going to buy for me. We are going out together to find her. I have called her Emily. She is going to be my friend when Papa is gone. I want her to talk to about him. Miss Minchin's large, fishy smile became very flattering indeed. What an original child, she said. What a darling little creature. Yes, said Captain Crewe, drawing Sarah close. She is a darling little creature. Take great care of her for me, Miss Minchin. Sarah stayed with her father at his hotel for several days. In fact, she remained with him until he sailed away again to India. They went out and visited many big shops together, and bought a great many things. They bought, indeed, a great many more things than Sarah needed. But Captain Crewe was a rash, innocent young man, and wanted his little girl to have everything she admired, and everything he admired himself. So between them they collected a wardrobe much too grand for a child of seven. There were velvet dresses trimmed with costly furs, and lace dresses, and embroidered ones, and hats with great soft ostrich feathers, and ermine coats and muffs, and boxes of tiny gloves and handkerchiefs, and silk stockings in such abundant supplies, that the polite young women behind the counters whispered to each other that the odd little girl with big solemn eyes must be at least some foreign princess, perhaps the little daughter of an Indian rajah. And at last they found Emily. But they went to a number of toy shops and looked at a great many dolls before they discovered her. I want her to look as if she wasn't a doll, really, Sarah said. I want her to look as if she listens when I talk to her. The trouble with dolls, Papa, and she put her head on one side and reflected as she said it, the trouble with dolls is that they never seem to hear. So they looked at big ones and little ones, at dolls with black eyes and dolls with blue, at dolls with brown curls and dolls with golden braids, dolls dressed and dolls undressed. You see, Sarah said, when they were examining one who had no clothes, if, when I find her, she has no frocks, we can take her to a dressmaker and have her things made to fit. They will fit better if they are tried on. After a number of disappointments, they decided to walk and look in at the shop windows and let the cab follow them. They had passed two or three places without even going in, when, as they were approaching a shop which was really not a very large one, Sarah suddenly started and clutched her father's arm. "'Oh, Papa!' she cried. "'There is Emily!' A flush had risen to her face, and there was an expression in her green-gray eyes, as if she had just recognized someone she was intimate with and fond of. She's actually waiting there for us, she said. Let us go in to her. Dear me, said Captain Crewe, I feel as if we ought to have someone to introduce us. You must introduce me, and I will introduce you, said Sarah. But I knew her the minute I saw her, so perhaps she knew me too. Perhaps she had known her. She had certainly a very intelligent expression in her eyes when Sarah took her in her arms. She was a large doll, but not too large to carry about easily. 
She had naturally curling golden-brown hair, which hung like a mantle about her, and her eyes were a deep, clear grey-blue, with soft, thick eyelashes, which were real eyelashes, and not mere painted lines. "'Of course,' said Sarah, looking into her face as she held her on her knee, "'of course, Papa, this is Emily.' So Emily was bought, and actually taken to a children's outfitter's shop, and measured for a wardrobe as grand as Sarah's own. She had lace frocks, too, and velvet and muslin ones, and hats and coats, and beautiful lace-trimmed underclothes, and gloves and handkerchiefs and furs. "'I should like her always to look as if she was a child with a good mother,' said Sarah. "'I'm her mother, though I'm going to make a companion of her.' Captain Crewe would really have enjoyed the shopping tremendously, but that a sad thought kept tugging at his heart. This all meant that he was going to be separated from his beloved, quaint little comrade. He got out of his bed in the middle of that night, and went and stood looking down at Sarah, who lay asleep with Emily in her arms. Her black hair was spread out on the pillow, and Emily's golden-brown hair mingled with it. Both of them had lace-ruffled nightgowns, and both had long eyelashes which lay and curled up on their cheeks. Emily looked so like a real child that Captain Crewe felt glad she was there. He drew a big sigh and pulled his moustache with a boyish expression. "'Hey-ho, little Sarah,' he said to himself, "'I don't believe you know how much your daddy will miss you.' The next day he took her to Miss Minchin's and left her there. He was to sail away the next morning. He explained to Miss Minchin that his solicitors, Messrs. Barrow and Skipworth, had charge of his affairs in England, and would give her any advice she wanted, and that they would pay the bills she sent him for Sarah's expenses. He would write to Sarah twice a week, and she was to be given every pleasure she asked for. "'She is a sensible little thing, and she never wants anything it isn't safe to give her,' he said. Then he went with Sarah into a little sitting-room, and they bade each other good-bye. Sarah sat on his knee and held the lapels of his coat in her small hands, and looked long and hard at his face. "'Are you learning me by heart, little Sarah?' he said, stroking her hair. "'No,' she answered. "'I know you by heart. You are inside my heart.' And they put their arms round each other and kissed as if they would never let each other go. When the cab drove away from the door, Sarah was sitting on the floor of her sitting-room, with her hands under her chin, and her eyes following it, until it had turned the corner of the square. Emily was sitting by her, and she looked after it, too. When Miss Minchin sent her sister, Miss Amelia, to see what the child was doing, she found she could not open the door. "'I have locked it,' said a queer, polite little voice from inside. "'I want to be quite by myself, if you please.' Miss Amelia was fat and dumpy, and stood very much in awe of her sister. She was really the better-natured person of the two, but she never disobeyed Miss Minchin. She went downstairs again, looking almost alarmed. "'I never saw such a funny old-fashioned child, sister,' she said. "'She has locked herself in, and she is not making the least particle of noise.' "'It is much better than if she kicked and screamed, as some of them do,' Miss Minchin answered. "'I expected that a child as much spoiled as she is would set the whole house in an uproar. If ever a child was given her own way in everything, she is.' "'I've been opening her trunks and putting her things away,' said Miss Amelia. "'I never saw anything like them—sable and ermine on her coats, and real Valenciennes lace on her underclothing. You have seen some of her clothes. What do you think of them?' "'I think they are perfectly ridiculous,' replied Miss Minchin sharply. "'But they will look very well at the head of the line when we take the school-children to church on Sunday. She has been provided for as if she were a little princess.' 
and upstairs in the locked room Sarah and Emily sat on the floor and stared at the corner round which the cab had disappeared, while Captain Crewe looked backward, waving and kissing his hand as if he could not bear to stop.